Hey, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea. And we're here to create a community of people to talk about life. And books. And business. And adventure. And so much more. Join Join us us for for Family family Breakfast. Welcome back, guys. What's up, everybody? Today, we are having breakfast for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) It's truly I just ate cereal. It was great. But I'm saying... They're listening to us in the evening, not in breakfast. That's not true. What if it's the next day and they're listening to us in the morning? Ooh. Well, breakfast, it's it's 5 a.m. somewhere. Breakfast anytime <laughs> is, is acceptable. Yeah. Yep. It's true. Anyways, today we have a very special guest. This woman has worked her <laughs> ass off. She is the owner, founder, creator, and lead badass of an amazing company called Freedom Physical Therapy and Fitness. I would like to present to you Katie Fazio. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad to have you. Thank you very much for showing up and showing out. Yep. Here I am. What's up? So we thought today we could recap and kind of tell the story of freedom and how it came to be if you haven't figured out this is katie you know the one who (laughs) is on our podcast every week (laughs) i just didn't want people to be confused they may not know us so on a serious note what is freedom physical therapy and fitness my physical therapy company how did it come to be um actually when i was in college we had to do a class, a business class and so we had to go through all the steps of what it would take to open a business and this was forever ago eight years ago so wow uh, I don't remember anything of it but I do distinctly remember sitting there being like hell no like why would anybody want to go through this y'all can have that just give me the patience and I'll do the <laughs> treating part and somebody else can do all the other stuff and fast forward seven years later and I walked down that road myself which is crazy to think back on but it actually started because I didn't like how the companies I was working for how they cared for patients like what their what their mission was if they even had one it's very difficult in the medical world medicine and business don't really align very easily unless you're very strong in your conviction so um a lot of the places that I was employed tended to put profit over patient and just years of doing that in multiple multiple different settings because I was a travel PT for three years and then worked at different facilities they were all almost exactly the same so it just got to be too much and I knew that I didn't want to be like that forever, so I started to think of what I could do. Right when you started dreaming, did you just go ahead and, like, just take action? Or, like, how did you approach that? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It started when I was doing home health, actually. I started, like, coming up with the concept of mobile orthopedics because I was learning a lot about the military and um, PTSD, and I have a... A former patient of mine who is in the military and has PTSD and 
I just started, I had, when you know, when you're driving around a lot, you have a lot of time to think about different things. And I saw a lot of different people. And I started to like realize, you know, PTSD is one of the biggest problems in our military community. Um, but pain is also a big feeder of that. But a lot of people don't feel like they can go out into the community because of the PTSD. So it's like a self-feeding loop. So I said, well, why can't you, why can't someone create like a high-level orthopedic, same thing that you would get in clinic, but in someone's home to break the cycle of pain so that they can break the cycle of PTSD to reintegrate back into the community and eventually go out to the gym or the clinics or whatever. And so that's kind of how it started and it kind of just cycled from there. But that was five years before I opened my doors. Wow. So did you just kind of like marinate on that or did um, like has it just developed since then? Yeah, I mean that was the very, very early thoughts, but at the time that I was thinking of that, I was still in student loan debt, so I knew that there was nothing that I was going to do while I was still in student loan debt. Like, my first goal was to pay that all off before I ever pursued anything else on my own. So, um, as I was saving and paying off stuff, the initial idea was just ever-changing always of what to add or what maybe didn't fit the model and it just kept changing and changing and I probably have five or six different journals or notepads that have the whole concept written out and almost all of them match up exactly the same and including to what I have now but some things kind of you know aren't so it's kind of evolved as I've evolved which I think is normal right and so now you have this idea did you know how it was going like did you know how to do it? 100% no. <laughs> to be honest, what kicked me over the edge to actually just take the first big step of action was the one day when I was still in the corporate position. Um, I was very lucky. So I was the leader of two clinics and 10 people, and we had a good team and a good dynamic, but... The company that housed us was very corporate so it made things a big challenge. And the one day, I just remember thinking, like, I can't, I literally can't do this anymore. I said, and I told myself, maybe I don't want to be a PT anymore. Like, maybe there's, wow. maybe there's something else in this world I could do that would be fun. You know, I always thought, like, I'm weird. I think, like, making subs is super fun. So I'm like, well, I, maybe I could, like, you know, go do that or do something totally different outside of PT. And then that thought kind of scared me. Like, what? What I've gone through seven years of school and, and all of the – and seven years at the time of practice all just to throw it away. Why, why did I get to that point? And it was because of the company – that I was working for, which was just exactly the same as every company I'd worked for prior to that. And so then you come up with this realization, and then what happens next? <laughs> I walked out to the parking lot on my lunch break to my car and called the owner of this sports facility and asked them if they would ever consider renting space <laughs> to a physical therapy practice. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, 
on my lunch break that same day. So instead of turning to a friend and just bitching at him, you just decided to take matters into your own hands? Well, I had done that already, talking to friends or family and bitching at him for years at that point. I had already done that. But I had never previously gotten to the point where I questioned being a physical therapist until that day. So it just, like, gave you a sign to say, like, something has to change. Like, you were almost pretty much, like, sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah, I honestly didn't really think about it. Like, I think I should go call this person. It just kind of, like, I was so frustrated that day and so just done with everything that that's what ended up happening. But I didn't set in motion, like, I think I'm going to go call this person. Yeah. I don't. It wasn't uh, a part of your math no, plan. Gosh, no, gosh, <laughs> no, not at all. And so I know everybody is wondering, and me too, is what did they say? Yeah, actually, we would. And what did you do? <laughs> Freaked out. Because <laughs> I was not prepared for them to say yes. So I was like, wait, wait, no, you're supposed to say no, or we need to think about it, or something like that. But that is not what happened. So he said, yeah, actually, we would. Um, but first, I don't want to interrupt yeah, you, yeah. but were they leasing out no. spaces like for people no. like to back up a little bit? Were you even doing any therapy on your own before getting your your space? I had a little gym, garage gym that I did, um, like more so training out of for like a year or so, but okay. that was it. So you were like building up slowly, like little by little? Mm, yeah, kind of. But you didn't imagine having a place of your own within that year? No, no. Although, I do remember saying at the beginning of 2020 that August, I was going to be out of that job. Out of your corporate job? Yep. In January, <laughs> I said that. And you just... I don't... That was just random, but yeah. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so now you... Okay, so we're in the middle of this pandemic. You are now putting in your notice for your... No, I went to go to the interview, like, I guess, interview, as you would say. And I just met the owner and the program director. And we stood in the middle of one of the basketball courts and didn't shake hands, but talked. And, you know, I basically just... I, I kind of feel like I went on autopilot because I didn't, I didn't, honestly, that day that I went to go meet with them, I ran late at my corporate job, so I was running behind on getting there on time, which is good, I think, because I didn't have time to sit and stew about all the potentially stupid things I could say or whatever, like, I was rushing to get there on time, and I, I did get there on time, but I had no time to sit and, like, dwell on so Sheila didn't what could show up to Correct. the meeting. Yeah. So, so I just I went in there and I was just myself. Like I wasn't trying to pretend I was a big corporation that would bring in twenty different therapists and this and that. I was just myself, telling them what I do, what I believe in, how I feel. Like sports injuries are just considered normal, which should not be the case. Like people, we should not be okay with injuries being a part of the game quote-unquote so um I told them kind of my concept around that and they showed me 
some space they were like well would this be big enough you know or, or whatever so it happened to be that it was an arcade and I was like yeah that would be that would be fine a little 340 square foot room and he said yeah. okay put together a proposal and we'll be in touch and I said okay what the fuck is a proposal <laughs> <laughs> So what did you do when you said, okay, I have to make this proposal? <laughs> I came home and Googled proposal. <laughs> and then I got like a lot of wedding videos. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, a, like a business proposal, you ding dong. <laughs> so I just started like writing stuff down. Like I opened a Google document, started writing stuff down. And, you know, I don't know. I think I had you review it and um, added some verbiage and I I just made it up honestly I had no idea and then um I sent it to them they sent it back so I could see what actually a proposal looks like and I was like oh cool okay so they had some changes I had some changes to theirs for the second time so we kind of just went back and forth we landed on an agreement within like a week I think and then I went to work and put in my 30 days wow so what's one lesson that you learned from the negotiation? Like you say, you don't, you didn't know anything about business like yeah. proposals or contracts. Yeah. What's one thing that you learned from that deal? It was really interesting. And I'm not even mad about it because basically what I learned is that I was playing checkers because I was so green to all of this. And the business owner that I rent from was definitely playing chess. So he had me propose first. And I sent him a potential price of rent. And he said, and and it was just like monthly rent, blah. Like there was nothing else with it. And um, he said in his first readjustments, he sent me back, okay, this rent plus here are the monthly expenses like electricity, security, whatever. Uh. And so once he had me like in that position, he said, you're willing to pay this for rent, but here are the expenses You know, that's definitely, I got out chess moved there for sure. And so I went back at it and I said, okay, well, now knowing the expenses, you know, I'm I'm proposing that my rent be this instead of that. But I, I was kind of already too far behind the eight ball to make that work. So I learned a lot and I give him a lot of credit because, you know. That, that was a good move so i'm not i'm not mad at it but yeah but the thing is you've learned that lesson Definitely. now yep and if you would have been waiting for someone to tell you how to propose you may have never learned that lesson yeah exactly so i just went at it and uh yeah it worked out okay for sure but it <laughs> it was interesting <laughs> okay so now you have put your letter in And you're waiting out these 30 days. What are you doing during these 30 days? Well, I put my notice in and then I was like, okay, now I'm 30 days away from opening a clinic. Like, so I literally went to Google how to open a physical therapy clinic. When I tell you that I had no clue what I was doing, I'm not lying. Like, I hear that sometimes on podcasts or read it in books. Like, I had no clue what I was doing. I'm like, Obviously, you had some type of clue of what you were doing, or else this would have never worked. No, literally, I had no clue. Like, the legality part of all of this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I'm not, I'm a cash-based practice, so I don't accept insurance, and um, that's a whole different 
beast of a different color. So, man, those 30 days I spent um, trying to know as much as I can about what I needed to be able to open the doors on day one. So, (laughs) that was kind of a stressful 30 days. But, oddly enough, two weeks before my 30 days ended, um, we got quarantined from our corporate job for a potential exposure, which turned out to be fine. So um, I had two weeks off of work, and I just looked at that as, like, the absolute biggest blessing ever so I could, you know... Give time to yeah. to contribute. Yeah. I do remember the week before <laughs> you realized <laughs> you, <laughs> you needed a... What is it? A certificate of occupancy? Oh, my gosh! <laughs> Oh my gosh, yes. How dumb. (laughs) Like, three days, I think, or five days before I opened, I had to go to the city's website to look at something. And it said, it had like a link, like how to open a business. And I was like, huh, I wonder what they have to say. And I had had all the state, like, tax stuff filed and... And we were all good there. So I was like, I have an EIN number. Like, that sounds super official. And so we are, like, good to go. <laughs> and then I remember reading through the list, like, a certificate of occupancy from the city. A fire inspector has to come. Like, oh, my God. I have to open in five days and you have to have. Oh, my gosh. So I was freaking out. Like, I never even thought to check the city. So I begged, I begged the poor lady at the desk at the city office to <laughs> get, get this done. And she was, she was very helpful. Shout out, Linda. I appreciate your help. <laughs> and um, the fire inspector came on my first day open. Luckily in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning. So I didn't have anybody scheduled. But she came and... Um, I was so nervous. I was just nervous being there, let alone, like, this is my first day open. I got this fire inspector coming, you know. And um, this, oh, my gosh, I was sitting at this, my little desk. And and we had to, like, build out the clinic, right? So that goes in there somewhere. But I remember (laughs) sitting at this little desk, and I'm, like, waiting for the fire inspector to come. And this older lady knocks on my door. and And I have no idea who this is, so I'm thinking she's the fire inspector, but she's, like, in her 70s, so I'm like, <laughs> okay, um, she comes in, she's like, are you Katie, and I was like, yes, ma'am, <laughs> and she pulls out her phone, and like, starts recording, I was like, oh my god, oh my gosh, what was it, yeah, she just has this box, so she hands me this massive box, <laughs> and my mom, my loving mom, <laughs> sent me uh, royal icing cookies that had my logo on them, as a first day tree with a card and she was like open the card so I open the card and I'm all crying because they wrote this really nice note in the card she just got her phone like shoved up my nose so close (laughs) to my face and I just and she just stands there like in this awkward silence and I'm just like I don't I don't know what to think right now and it was a very overwhelming moment but then the fire inspector came after she left and then she's looking around she's like that plug needs to be changed you know you can't have this kind of like you need a surge protector or something and I was like okay and then she's like yeah everything else looks good she's walking out of my clinic and she turns and looks at the cookies and she's like what are those 
And I was like, oh, my mom sent them to me as a first day opening gift. She's like, You're, are you selling them? Because you need a food permit. And I was like, no, no, I swear. I'm, I swear I'm not selling them. I'm going to eat them all right now. I there was like 36 of them. So anyway, yeah, that was wow. my first day. <laughs> and so you open the doors and was there, like, a mad rush? Absolutely not. Nope. <laughs> I mean, I was very, very blessed. People I was training in the garage gym, um, they decided to follow me to the to the real clinic and continue their training. Um, and then I had a few patients who decided on their own to follow me from the other clinic. So I was grateful for that. But really, I had one patient a day for the first few weeks wow and i when, was really freaking out when people tell their story like on podcasts and stuff and they're like i had like literally no one like showed up yep. like there was one person like that is accurate and were you like sweating bullets yes i was sweating bullets i was still had some administrative stuff i had to do so i was kind of busy with that but um it was like the first month that I really I had like one or two maybe three people on a good day but yeah I had no one and so I was kind of freaking out the whole reason that I picked this facility is because they have four basketball gyms and all the travel teams play there so I thought once I opened then, you know, I'm literally facing a basketball court so kids who just get hurt could come and whatever. And it just didn't it didn't happen like that. So um, I think I made $1,800 my first month, which is good. Right. But not it, enough. Right, to cover your bills. Like, you yeah. were, this is what you were depending on for your income. Well, yes and no. So... I mentioned that one of my first goals was to pay off my student loans before I ever made a move. And I did that at the end of 2018. Mm-hmm. So paid off all my student loans. Then 2019, I spent traveling everywhere I possibly could just because I lived like I was a broke college person for five years. So then I just <laughs> went crazy in 2019 and then I was like, no, I need Okay, I need to start like buckling down a little and saving. So before I ever opened the doors at Freedom and, and left my corporate job, um, I had almost a year's worth of savings in my bank account that I could live off of. Okay. So I didn't have to take money out of the business. Actually, I haven't taken money out of the business until like two weeks ago. So eight months before I took money out of the business. So, um, I wasn't necessarily relying on that to live because I had already hedged that bet. But, you know, it a lot of doubt starts to creep in. Like, yep, this, it was, it's a failure. I knew this was going to fail. You suck. <laughs> Go home. Did you ever question your cash-based method? All the time. Every single second. Because a lot of what I heard in the beginning, even from friends or family or people who are, you know, in my circle would be like, you're fucking crazy. Why yeah. would you do that? Because nobody's ever going to pay to go to therapy when they, the could just, when they could just use their insurance. And I, 
I ha- it just had to be something that I was like, nope, this is what I'm going to do. So thank you for your opinion, but no thank you, kind of. Yeah. Um, but it did get to the point where I was like, you know, the referrals from a doctor that I work closely with, like, they weren't coming either. And so I said, yep, yeah, this, is, this is it. It's not going to work. Like, I'm screwed. And so I would have these, I called them midday matinees. So... <laughs> So in the middle of the day, the dogs and I would just sit on the couch and watch a documentary. <laughs> and I would still work on stuff, but you know, in all reality, I was I think I was like I was just scared. So instead of I was just scared. So instead of trying to go figure it out, I just watched documentaries with the dog. <laughs> While I still worked on stuff, but was there anybody in your space that did cash base like was there anybody to go based off of or did you just make it up all on your own the problem is I did try to get a coach in the beginning so these two gentlemen I did zoom zoom calls with they own cash practices in New York City and somewhere in Florida um but to be honest their methods were the same as corporate just no insurance so they had the same mentality of charge more, work less. How would you, you know, you would, who would complain about that? But yeah, I don't know. So I just, my values didn't align with theirs and it, it didn't work out. And I'm grateful that it didn't. So, I mean, for those of you who know me who are, or who have listened to the podcast for any period of time, like I'm the type of person I'm very strong in my values and convictions. Like, that is how I make every decision off of what my gut says. So my gut said do cash base and don't waver. And even though I questioned it multiple times, the people who actually mattered, who said, no, you got this, like the doctor that I work with, um, that just kind of carried me through to the next little phase of things like that. So I said, I have an opportunity here where I guess where I really got in trouble was in the beginning when it wasn't working as, as fast as I wanted to, I started listening more to other people's opinions and, and tried to go their route from the beginning because I was scared instead of going with what I know. So I started out, I wanted to start out charging $50 a visit because that's comparable to a copay. And right. not all that different, but to be able to show the difference because because I didn't need the money at the time. Like I had already made that, made sure that that was okay. So, but I heard a lot of opinions about, nope, you can't do $50, you're way underpricing yourself, this, that, blah, 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 blah. And so I went in, I opened my doors at higher than what I thought I should do because that's what everybody else was telling me to do. And it honestly wasn't successful until I went with what my gut said. I started out the first four months of business at $50 a visit to just start building a community to show the difference. I I did the calculations and knew I could do that for a certain period of time before I had to slowly increase on price. Um, And once I did that and I just instead of letting other people's opinions sway my decision-making, just went back to following my gut, and I think that's where it started to take off better. So that was kind of like a lesson learned, is that 
Just to go with your gut? Yeah, you got to follow... Like, you're the one who wanted to open the business. You're the one who can see the vision and, and see the path. So you have to make the decisions that you know are going to get you there. Everybody is going to have an opinion. Right. Everyone. Even, like, my patients, they had an opinion. Um, the people who own the facility I rent from, they had an opinion. Like, everybody has an opinion, but you have the right to to use it or not. Right. You know, so um, I really had to get back to what I believed in and how I wanted to approach this and then to really start making that work. And now that you are what, eight months in Mm -hmm. to having your clinic and everything, does that come easier with the opinions of others? Or is that still a struggle that you have? Uh, I think it's absolutely easier than it was, but you're never going to get away from other people's opinions. Right. And um, I'm the type of person that momentarily that will make me second-guess something. And taking people's opinions now and then try to evaluate and line it up with what my values are and then discard or use depending on on what my internal compass says gotcha what's the vision that you have for freedom can you give us a sneak peek or something well as i mentioned in the last podcast my goal this year is to buy a building so that building will house like all-encompassing you know gym physical therapy recovery center bunch of different things, bunch of big things, I think, coming in. When I think about what that will look like, my gut feels super settled. So I know that that's what I'm supposed to be working on. Does it excite you or does it make you shit your pants? I think a little bit of both. More so right now it excites me because I think it's so big and so far away that it's not scary just yet. (laughs) But like... I'm supposed to be putting out an ebook by March 1st. And <laughs> I can come up with all the reasons why I shouldn't do that because that's scarier than owning a building. And that's crazy to think of. Yeah. That it's like something that's closer within a time frame is scarier than something that's bigger, like a bigger investment. Like that, it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. A matter of perspective. For sure. So what's one thing that you've read in your business journal that you've laughed at? Like you were like, I was seriously worried about that. And then now it seems so minute. Oh, that's a good question. So I wrote out a list of my biggest fears. This was August 18th. So six weeks in, (laughs) I wrote out a list of my biggest fears of what was going on at the time because I was freaking out and because things just weren't going the way that it should. So, But now I'm reading them and some of them are, are so funny, like um, not making enough money to live, of course, that was on my mind because there's no one coming through the door, even though I know I had time. I just, it's a big thing, I think. Um being able to solidify my relationship with the doctor that I you know work with (laughs) which is which is funny because I'm so I'm so blessed she's like 85% of my patient caseload comes from her so she was also the one who told me that 
I was on the right track with Cash Base and don't I dare change a thing. So, um, so has she become kind of like a mentor to you, like without saying a mentor? 100%. 100,000%. Even though I'm sure that is, would not be what she wants. She is whether <laughs> like it or not because... Because, you know, she is another female badass in the medical industry who fights the corporate world. Like, fights go falling into the corporate oblivion and, and really can do things that she feels like is good patient care without just worrying about the bottom line. And so it's really, really nice to have another example of what that actually looks like on a bigger scale. So... Even if it wasn't for the referrals, I'm extremely grateful just to be able to sit on the sidelines and watch how she practices because that's how I envision practicing as well. Now, the big question is, did you buy her referrals with one? Oh, my gosh. No, (laughs) no. So a lot of people said that in the beginning, like you need to walk around to doctor's offices and buy them lunch and send them coffee and So many people said that, and I just, in my gut, that makes me want to hurl. And I don't know why, but it just feels so slimy and gross. I absolutely hate it. And I just, I remember, I think I told you in the very beginning, like, I don't care what I have to do. I will never just walk into, like, a primary care office and say, you know, hi, I'm Katie, here's some Skittles, send me patients. Like, never. (laughs) So I just, I'm not one to do things the way that things have always been done because just because that's how they always have been done doesn't mean that's how they have to be done. Right. I can rewrite the rules and I feel like that's kind of what I'm doing is rewriting the rules of how medicine works. People hate physical therapy. Like every, (laughs) it's true. Every patient I've ever encountered has a preconceived notion of what physical therapy is like because they've had a bad experience in the past and they hate it and I think that the therapy the therapists in the therapy world has done that to themselves because of profit over patient and I just I just knew that that's not what I wanted to do and I didn't want to buy doctor's lunch and I didn't want to go out doing trivia at bars with them and I just I did not want to go that route so I always just tell myself, like, when it ever gets to that, I give it the straw test. I say, is it a glass or a straw? Because straws didn't always exist. Everybody drank out of a glass. Until someone woke up one day and said, well, if I put this mechanism in my glass, I can still drink without having to move my cup. So is it a straw or a cup? And if I'm not in the straw category, I'm not doing it. Interesting. I've never heard of that. Yeah. That's cool. So. So. There you go. Let's leave them with a mic drop. A mic drop? If you could tell the baby little you, you know, the one who was like, I have this dream of opening them up. up and... Actually, wait, hold on. Back up. Did your mobile orthopedics come to life? It did, actually. I have a mobile part of my practice where I go to people's houses and do that. Not necessarily just for veterans, but... That's something that I hope to work into in the future. So for now, yes, I have a small mobile portion of my practice, which I'm very grateful for. And I'm hopeful that it will continue to grow as I go on. 
That's awesome. <laughs> so leave them with a the mic drop. What's one piece of advice that you could give the baby tiny you who has that dream but just doesn't know where to start? Um, dream bigger would be my first one because realistically five years ago my dreams were so super small that I look back at them now like <laughs> you honestly could have done that in a day if you actually just took action so dream bigger if it doesn't make you sweat or doesn't make people laugh at you when you say it out loud then it's not big enough and then number two is just just start like you cannot wait to have everything figured out and everybody says that like analysis process or whatever and it and it's true but honestly like if you're still sitting here listening to this podcast wondering like oh yeah so when I am done listening to this podcast I'm gonna go write in my journal all the things I want to do and I'm gonna open in three years from now you miss the point mm. you have to go just start like you have to go make the call it's a complete shot in the dark, but my grandfather always used to tell me the worst that they're going to say is no. So that is exactly what would have happened. If I would have called the building owner and said, would you consider leasing space? He would have said, no, not at this time. And I would have gone right back into the corporate job and kept going and figured it out at a different time. But I wouldn't have died and, you know, right. no one would have bitten me, as he would have said. So... <laughs> Um, you just have to go take your shot. Like you have to go make the cold call and nothing's going to happen. You're not going to be any worse than where you are sitting there right now. So you just have to go because you'd be surprised at how many times when you take a shot like that, it actually works. Like that has happened to me so many times now asking people about like, um, like Craigslist deals or, or like, uh, we just moved rental houses and we initially got denied for this rental house because of the pets. Right? You remember right. that? So yeah. we got denied. And this was the only house that we found that was anywhere close to what we needed. And so you kind of took that as like, oh, fuck, uh, what are we going to nope, do? that's it. Yeah. And so I said, no, wait a second. So I emailed the lady back and I said, well, um, thanks for the information. And I appreciate you updating me. What if I offered to pay a higher deposit right. to secure your fear or, or whatever? And so so I just went back at it, and, and now we're in this house times three months on a year lease. So, so right. you'd be surprised how many times if you just actually take the shot, how many times it actually hits. Right, and then also the people who support you, like our landlord wrote a letter and said, yeah. Katie and Chelsea are great roommates, um, took care of everything, and here you go, here's my, like, stamp of approval. Yeah, you have to, you have to treat people well. Right. And I'm such, such a huge believer that if you treat people well, first and foremost, the money will be there. You do not have to go after the money first. If you just show up and treat people well, it will all come out in the wash in the end. You do not have to chase money. I cannot tell you how many times I've done a free visit or a free plan of care like for someone just you know they're in a hard place in their life but they're also in pain and now that I own my own company I get to decide what I'm gonna do with them so right. that doesn't mean I'm like well you can't pay the bill so get out that's the corporate mentality that's the cup mentality I right. want the straw mentality mm. 
and it has paid off dividends. That person has sent me a bunch of full price paying people. They've recommended me different places or written me a review or this or that. So it all comes out if you you don't have to chase money first. You just have to believe in what you're doing so hard that you know that no matter what, it's all just going to work out because you've treated people well. Wow. <laughs> that is literally freaking great advice. Thank you. Now the challenge for you, not you, Katie, but you. It's like my signature. Oh, jeez. The challenge for you is to, one, take action, dream bigger, and actually do it. Like tomorrow. Take a step in that direction. Yeah. And then the second one is just trust your gut and know that your ideas are in the right direction. Like, yeah, if you believe in your own product, then you're going to get other people to believe in it too. Same with not just business, but any other goal. If you want right. to save $2 million in your savings account, you can do that. If you want to run, you know, do an Ironman, you can do that too. So, but you just have to believe in it yourself first. And I'm going to end on that. <laughs> well, just... I want to hear, like, so Chelsea said your homework is to take action. I want to hear what your action is. Like, this week, the day after you listen to this, we better get a DM or an at, picture on Instagram, something. I want to hear what action you've taken. I want you guys to come on the podcast and tell our community about it because... You don't know who else is sitting out there saying, man, I wish I could do that. Right. Totally. Somebody's going to hear your story and feel like they can also go do it. So we want to share that with the world. Yeah. Come join us for breakfast. Yep. See you next week. Bye, guys.